Welcome to the Black Knight Nation podcast. I'm your host, Sal Interdonado. The Black Knight Nation podcast is brought to you by Higher Echelon, a trusted partner in organizational excellence ran by Joe Ross, former Army fullback, former Army assistant coach, and uh, also an uh, officer in the, uh, the United States Army. We appreciate Higher Echelon for sponsoring this podcast. We're bringing back Jeff Ajekum for the second time on the Black Knight Nation podcast, former Army wide receiver. Jeff, thanks for taking the time tonight. I appreciate it, so Thanks for having me, man. No doubt. We were talking a little bit before we, we got started here about your weekend. I mean, the black and gold game was Friday, Army's uh, annual spring game. And every year they pick honorary captains to uh, to be on the sidelines of each, the black and the gold team. And you were selected to be an honorary captain this year. And, uh, you know, you, you're a little bit removed from your playing days, right, Jeff? But, I mean, that must have been a, a great first uh, – when you got the phone call probably right to, or the, the contact to be an honorary captain, that must've been pretty cool. Just one. No, it definitely was a, a surreal moment. I would definitely say that. Uh, it was kind of a shock too, because I was at work and just kind of at my desk and stuff like that. And then next thing I know, I get a text saying like, Hey, you know, would you be able to be an honorary captain? And my head, I'm like, honorary captains are probably like, they're like 10, 15, 20 years removed from, you know, West Point and stuff like that. And me just graduated in 2018. I'm about four years removed. So I was like, I was like, man, this must be a, you know, this is a pretty big deal to be getting called back so soon. Um, and, you know, when I got there, it was nothing but love. Uh, everybody embraced me. Uh, the last time I was actually at West Point was when I left from coaching um, at the prep school. So that was the last time I went. So I was about three, three and a half years ago. So um, it was definitely a surreal moment, just being able to be back at Mikey Stadium, meeting with the players, um, just talking to people and like running into different people, seeing the coaches and stuff like that. And it was definitely, it was, it was an honor and just being alongside with the other honorary captains, it was, it was a blessing for sure. Yeah, you talked about John Voigt, right? He was an honorary captain. You talked about uh, got uh, pl- former players from uh, 1973 Army team that won the first Commander-in-Chief's trophy. I mean, that's what's great about the Army Football Brotherhood, right? Um, the different generations of football players that you guys kind of share the same bonds. You w- were through the same things, so to speak. And, uh, man, I don't know if you had any conversations with the, the older, older grads but that must have been, it's a pretty unique experience, probably. No, yeah, me, me and John definitely visited with the other honorary captains. They were, they were uh, all from the 73 team, I believe, that won that first CIC. And they were just telling us all the stories that they had. Um, and it's crazy, like, no matter the year you play, no matter the year you go through West Point, you still forge these same sort of stories and bonds and brotherhood stuff that, it, it, like again, it doesn't matter what year you did it. It's, you're always going to have that camaraderie and that bond. And they were just telling us all the things. They were even laughing amongst themselves about the stuff that they did back in the day. And you know, me and John were just really taking it in and enjoying it, just saying like, "Man, that's that's what we do now." And we're only four years removed, so it's only going to get better and better. More stories and more stories as, as time goes on. Um, and just being able to just sit down and just share with one another. Um, you know, between the year gaps of, you know, the 73 team and just us being the 2018 team, it, it, it was amazing just to see the history in between and just talk about it. Um, and you'll be surprised. Those guys keep up with all Army football stuff. Like, they were asking me questions like, 
So how is a uh, how's this player doing? How's this player doing? That I was like, oh wow, I was like y'all know y'all know more players than I even know more players. So yeah, it's um it's amazing like just to see how invested and like you were saying like this this brotherhood is is far beyond just my my class and even five years, ten years beyond because we even have a group chat with the Army football uh, team and uh, from ages like it'll have sixty four grads, fifty grads, like anything like that, and like you still communicate with these people and. It's almost like they know you and you know them, and you're just communicating every single day. It's, it's really awesome. Were you able to get to uh, your old locker there at Mikey Stadium, or were you thinking about putting the old eighty-one back on? Yeah, so I I went by. They already got they already got somebody in my locker already, so you know it, it is what it is. But I they they set up a locker for all the honorary captains in the back. It was really cool to just see. I had a little. Uh, paper thing like they have in the, in the locker room and they said it had my name my number and it, it just kind of brought back those memories like me me and john we were talking about it the team meeting and everything like that just got us like man are we about to go play again like what's what's going on let's suit up and get out there and go back to mighty stadium and let it go but you know it, it's you know we always have that fight especially when you are in a program like army football it's just like you're always going to have that fight in you and you're always going to be instilled with the things that, you know, for me, Coach Munkin put in my class um, and stuff like that. And it's just like, it's it's un, it's really unmatched. Like, yeah, like I said, I felt like I was watching the game and I was like, I kept saying, I'm like, man, I need to grab a helmet, I need to grab some pads, I'm ready to get out there myself. Like, it, it really just sets, that environment is just something so surreal, so different that it just, it, it puts a burning passion in you that you really just want to go out there and do whatever you can for the program, like no matter if you're an old grad or not. Yeah, you were talking about almost being at a loss for words still over the experience, right? And I guess that when you can connect to the current players, and uh, I don't know if you would like to share or what, what what maybe some of your you know words of wisdom were to them, so to speak. Uh, you know, when you when you were when you were there on Friday. Yeah, so, um, you know, again, I kind of, again, being only four years removed and being an honorary captain and even hearing Coach the words and the things that Coach Monkey had to say to me uh, in front of the team and in the team meeting, it was just kind of surreal because, you know, when you're playing, you're playing for the love of the game, you're playing for the love of the team, love of the program, you're just trying to give it your all. And, you know, once you're done, you know, with the college route and college ball, it's like, you know, you've done everything you can. But to come back and see that all those efforts that you've had, like all the efforts you put in, the, the grind that you put in is very much appreciated, not only by the staff, but players that came behind you. It was it was an unbelievable feeling. Like I had players come up to me that I didn't even know myself, and they would come up to me and be like, man, you're a legend, and I appreciate you. Like you've instilled something in us that, you know, we carry. Um, I had guys that I coached at prep that came up to me and said, everything you said, we're doing and it's working and we appreciate it and stuff like that. So it's just, it's, it, it was definitely very, I wouldn't even say it was emotional just because it's like you put so much effort into this program and you, you put your all in it. And Lord knows that I, I love this program so much. Like I still, like I said, I'm a super army fan to the day I die. I will literally watch every game, yell at the TV, call plays like I'm still playing. Like, so it's just, it's amazing to see that, you know, that, that legacy that you're leaving is, is it's it's lasting it's not just something that's pleading so um yeah it was it was really it was a surreal moment 
just seeing the, like all the love and, and the people coming up to me and even, you know, new coaches coming to me saying, oh, they, they heard so much about me and the, the, the effort that I put in and just establishing that, um, that uh, culture in the receiver room of just being the, the most physical receivers in college football. And that still stands. There's still a sign in the receiver room that still says it. So, um, it's, it, yeah, I, honestly, like I said, I can keep going on about it, but it was just simply just uh, – I was filled with joy and, and really filled with, like, a, a, a lot of appreciation just knowing that I, the effort that I put in is, is being recognized, and, and it's, it's an amazing feeling. Yeah, you know, you look at the current Army wide receivers right now. Isaiah Austin, we were talking about a little bit and the talent that he has. Um, Cole Catterbone, the toughness that Cole Catterbone has. Um, you know, they got they're high on a couple of younger receivers that have stepped up in the in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, Casey Reynolds and Cam Shore, a couple of those guys. Um, but like you said, it's a mindset, right? I mean, you know, when you play in this offense, you're not gonna you get the ball thrown you about 10 times a game, but you have a job to do. And I thought that you're right. I remember the feature. It had to be your senior year before the Army Navy game, right? That he has <laughs> yeah. ended on you, right? Yeah. But man, that had that had a lot of impact, Jeff. Right? That that is probably where some of these younger guys might have saw you at first. Maybe got the first look at what the position's all about. Right. And then, um, man, you look at all the work that has to you guys that wide receivers have to put in the offense. You know, it's more than just route running at West Point, no doubt. One hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that, that like you said, just getting that feedback from younger players and even coaches that people that you didn't even know, you guys were a big, you guys were a big part of that. The, the, I always call it the renaissance of Army football, right? I mean, just the, the run, the run, <laughs> what you guys had is was something special, no doubt. Yeah, no, it definitely was. Um, it was a surreal moment, you know, like because you know when we my freshman class came in, we were. I believe we went four and eight, and then sophomore year we went two and ten, and then the turnaround happened our junior year when we went eight and five, won the bowl game, beat Navy, and you know a lot of people, it's crazy. You go around school, you go around fan base, and people were very much satisfied with those two things: just winning season, beating Navy, bowl game, like those three things. And the thing about you know Coach Munkin and his mindset, his mentality that he instilled in our group is just like that. That's not enough. Like until we win every single game and do it again repeatedly, we still have work to do. And even if we were to do that, I'm sure there's still room for improvement. That's one thing that coach always harps on, is that there's always going to be room for improvement, no matter how great we play. Um, and then just to go 10-3 and three and win that CIC trophy um, and really put a stamp on, you know, the legacy that our class had was, was very empowering. And then winning the bowl game against one of the most prolific players in college football, Rashad Penny, in San Diego State team, um, it was really surreal. And even even going to the going back to the whole receiver thing, like I, I circled back because it's like for me to get that uh, you know that recognition and to you know establish that culture, um, it it means a lot because like you said, we're not giving the ball, we're not getting the ball nine times a game, we're not getting the ball, you know, we're not catching every single touchdown, this that, and third out of the job. But um, but the, the chances that you do have. You know, whether you're blocking or whether you're catching the ball, you got to make the most of it. And that's one thing that I did share with the group was like, this is the most unselfish position in this offense. And you have to, you have to look at it that way because if you think selfishly and you wait that you know, oh, I, I'm not getting the ball and this, that, and the third, you're never going to be successful in this offense. 
And the thing about it is, if you are willing to block, if you are willing to do the dirty work, they're going to want to reward you with the ball because now you're, you're making everything look the same. So if I'm blocking down blocking and then I'm able to run my route like that down block, the defender's not going to know what the difference is. They don't know if I'm blocking or running the route. So <clears throat> that was one thing that I definitely shared with them. I was like, the same effort you put in when you hear pass play is the same effort you got to do it when that run plays coming towards you and even going away from you because a lot of the times it takes that one block to spring somebody free for a touchdown on a long run. We've seen that multiple times in college football, period. Um, if you're loafing on the backside, then, you know, you could have been that person that helped score that touchdown. You know what I mean? So you may not have the ball in your hand, but you can still affect what happens with the ball. So I think that's one thing that um, at the receiver position is in a triple option offense that a lot of receivers need to embrace is that you – the crowd might not see what you're doing, but you are very vital to that offensive play. So. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I just there's there's definitely appreciation for to play the position. Not like you said, not it's not for everybody, right? It's not if you're a guy who is more of an individual guy, that position's probably not for you. If you're a guy that doesn't want to get a little dirty, that, that right. position's not for you, right? I'm sure you. You know, you're not. You weren't just blocking like defensive backs at points during during your time, right? You're you're going uh, you're going up against some really tough defenders. I mean, you look at the teams that you guys played when you were there. I mean, there were some legit defensive guys. Probably some guys that are playing on Sundays right now that you you were going up against. So yeah, one of the most memorable blocks that I will remember forever is just lining up against Ohio State and having to down block on the Bosa brother, which is just. You know, <laughs> you can take that for how it is. I tried, I held my own, but at the end of the day, it's 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 not easy. <laughs> like that is a that's a first round draft pick, you know. And and even same team facing Denzel Ward same year at the corner position, first round draft pick. There's a whole bunch of first round draft picks on that team, and um, we were able to stick with them for a little bit. You know? Yeah, so it just it just goes to show that this program can stick with anybody, honestly. There was no flinch in there. There was no flinch in there. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Nick or Joey was that? I'm. I'm not even gonna lie to you. I think it was the younger Bosa. I, I think so too. I think it was Nick. Yeah. I think it was Nick. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Uh, I mean. But those games are the games that probably you would circle on the schedule, right? When you're going against those Power Five teams, and unfortunately, this year coming up. That game's not on the schedule because Tennessee backed out of that game. Right. And you know, in the next in the coming years, they're gonna be the power fives back on the schedule for Army. But just hearing Coach Munkin talk after um preseason, I mean sorry, spring practice. Um, Coastal Carolina will not be a joke at the first game of the not season with the talent that not they have and the quarterback that they have. So I mean, he's he's probably a Heisman trophy candidate, uh Grayson McCall. And um, that's a good test. You know, that's no, almost – they're a top 25 team the last two years pretty much, and that's almost playing power five type of football team. No, 100%. Know? 100%. Yeah, you can't, you can't let that's, – and that's one thing Coach Munkin always harped on, and he's always harped on, is that you can't take an opponent for, oh, it's just Coastal Carolina or it's just the Citadel or it's just Villanova whatever. But at the end of the day, it's still an opponent. You have to see that. In that opponent, like you're, you, no matter what, you're lined up against somebody and you have to play football, right? If you're going to lay down and try and take the gas off, that person's going to hit you in the mouth. So you have to be ready for that at all times. It doesn't matter who it is. So we treat every single opponent 
as if it is a power five school, as if it is the best opponent that we are going to face, no matter what the stats may say, record may say, anything like that. Because at the end of the day, you have to treat every opponent the same because getting laxed is how you lose games. That's how you that's how you lose a lot of football games by getting laxed. It's a good mindset. And I think it was the COVID year 2020 where the Citadel came to West Point, right? And gave Army all it wanted because they played a similar style of offense and the coaches were pretty familiar with what was going on. I believe our Orlando Mitchens was an assistant on that yeah. staff that coached with Jeff Munkin. And I mean, it seemed like they knew the plays before Army was calling them, you know? So <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that was just my impression. But you yeah, know, so, yeah. so the competition, yeah. Um, just when you when you go back, I mean, we we had John um, in our in our first couple earlier podcasts, and we talked about your playing days a little bit. But like you talked about the memories that you have, whether it's going to Ohio State, whether it's winning, you know, the and ending ending the Navy, the Navy streak, right? Winning the Commander in Chiefs trophies, man, there's so many of them. But I think probably a lot of that has to do with the bond that you guys had as a team too, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't so much what specifically you were doing on the field it was seeing those the 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 results right and and all the hard work that you guys put in yeah i I would say um a lot of the success that we had didn't even really trans it wasn't from the stuff that we did you know in the weight room or in on practice like obviously if you work hard in those those instances then you're definitely going to be ready and prepared for that but I would say what made uh, my class specifically so strong and so close-knit was that we literally spent time together outside of football. Like, our friendships was just not in the locker room. It was outside the locker room. Like I said, John Trainer's house was our dojo. We would always go down to Harrington Park, get in the man cave, all 16, 17 of us hanging out in this one house, you know, uh, going out together. Everything we did was together. We were literally like this, our whole class. So. Um, I think that a lot of that had to do with it, just the things beyond football and establishing those relationships and bonds past football. It made being on the football field so much easier because you know that person to a T. You know that person's, you know that person from head to toe, you know what I mean? Inside and out. And when you have that type of mentality and when you have that type of camaraderie, it's it's really easy. Playing is secondhand nature. You've done the work in the weight room, you've practiced, you've studied your playbook. Now you got to do it with somebody else. When you're in sync with that person, it's so much easier to play that way. And honestly, I feel like our entire senior class had that type of mentality. And then we were able to bring it down to the other classes and kind of instill that type of mentality in them too. Yeah, I mean, that was a great senior class, right? We've had Ryan England on the podcast. We had um, Bryce Holland too. um, Talked about Josh Boylan. A guy, you know, I was thinking of Josh Boylan today because – I'm doing a preview for a magazine for Army. I'm trying to figure out who the top five offensive linemen are going to be, right? And I remember that Josh Boylan was a guy who was taking some reps at center, but you had Bryce Holland, right? So right. he slid over and played guard. Um, and his senior year, man, he was one of the he he had a very strong season his senior oh, yeah. year, and was a, a key a really key part of the team, right? I mean, a guy right. who who got his snaps maybe sophomore junior year but then senior year slid over played guard and um maybe that's something that army does this year with jackson flippowitz who uh, played center uh for most of spring with connor bishop uh 
you know, being limited. Um, we'll see what happens. I was trying to get some spring football talk into this podcast, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, so, I mean, yeah, it, honestly, like what, what I'll say on that end is just you have to be able to be flexible. Um, you have to be able, like this offense is like you, you can move so many people in different pieces and stuff like that. So you just have to be willing to be flexible and do what's best for the team. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, in the past years, you've seen people go from offense to defense, Ryan England being one of them, Xavier Moss being another. So yeah. it's like these these are these are people that, you know, were very successful in their position switch as well. So I think one thing that I would say, like going into the spring, I even talked to Cole Catamaran and stuff like that. He was repping a little bit of slot. So I was like, oh, you know, I asked him, I said, you know, when they move you slot, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be playing both, but I'm just getting reps and stuff like that. So just that itself is just to be able to do both. And to learn both is, is is what Army football is about. You got to be able to be flexible. You got to be able to do what's best for the team and help with the you know help with what's going to help the team. Like you, I saw a lot of position switches. Um, um, and honestly, the people who switch, you know, it can be discouraging at times. But at the same time, you have to look at it and be like, I'm being put in the best position to succeed, and that for the, uh, the team to succeed as well. Yeah, I think this spring, I mean, we saw it back when you played, right? Like we talked about Andy Davidson and Kalen Holt moving from defense to offense and playing fullback. I think they that B-back room, they want to, you know, get some guys behind J- Jacoby Buchanan and Tyson Riley. Um, and like a Shakori Williams. So guys like a Bo Kite, who was a freshman linebacker, maybe now would get a look at fullback and see. I mean, you know, when you're recruited to West Point, like you say, um, you might come in. I asked, I, I, I talked to a couple of recruits uh, via uh, d- Twitter tonight who had just committed and you asked them, you know, what position are they recruiting you for? And, you know, they might say quarterback or they might say, you know, wide receiver, but there's some flexibility there, right? Wide receiver could be a D back, Jeff. We don't know, you know, right. Uh, right. You know, you could be an offensive lineman. Like I look at the tackles that they have right now, Shane Buckingham, and Simon uh, Dillinger, they were uh, recruited as tight ends. And now right. they tackle. Brett Toth was originally a, tack, a tight end, I believe. And he turned right. into an NFL tackle. So, or NFL offensive lineman. So, uh, man, uh, I think that coaches want to get the most out of every player, I think, right? Exactly. On the roster. You're, not, you're not on the roster just to have your name listed on the website, right? Yeah, I mean, so. yeah they try. They definitely try to use as many tools as they can. Um, and I'll even like, even when I was recruited, I played both sides of the ball in high school and they gave me the option to either play defense or offense. I had just moved to safety in high school my senior year and got a little bit of repping out there. So I wasn't necessarily fully comfortable playing safety. But even then, I feel like if the coaches would have came to me and said, hey, we need you to move to defense, I would have done it because they're putting me in the best position to succeed and for the team to succeed. So I think if you just have that mentality coming into Army, then you're you're going to be successful. Yeah, you trust the coaching staff. I mean, you, the coaching staff at Army. I mean, and some of the guys that coach there have been there for a while. Others, Coach Munkin, are bringing in have a lot of experience. Um, you look at what they're doing on defense. I mean, what they're doing on defense and what they've done the last couple of years, whether it be leading the nation in yards per game or look at Andre Carter's season last year. Right. I mean, that, that doesn't happen just from Andre. That happens from, you know, the scheme from Nate Woody, right? And all the other 10 guys kind of doing what they're supposed to do to let Andre get a little bit more free and have an impact on the game. So, yeah. I mean, he has a lot of God, you know, just great individual talent, but he'll tell you, man, he's so complimentary of the teammates that he plays with too. And uh, 
that that's that'll be interesting to watch uh, this this fall, no doubt. Hey, uh, update us on what's going on with you. The last time we talked to you, you were you know you were pursuing maybe possibly some pro football aspirations, but now it seems like you you, you settled in at Southern University, right? Yeah. So um, last time we talked, I believe uh, I was um, actually transitioning into this job. So I'm an assistant professor of military science at Southern University. So I help. Uh, with the ROTC program here at Southern University down in Baton Rouge. Um, and I still am pursuing professional sports. Um, I'm nearing the end of my five-year commitment. So I'll be, I'll be transitioning into looking more toward, towards the professional sports slash, you know, civilian side of the job and stuff like that. But um, I am, I've still been training. I haven't stopped training since I left West Point. Um, I've always kind of had that you know, that go-getter mentality of, you know, if, if my body is physically allowing me to do this, I'm going to pursue it. And, you know, it's a blessing that all these new leagues are popping up. Uh, you got the USFL. Uh, you got the XFL coming back in January 2023. You got the IFL. Um, there's a whole bunch of leagues and a whole bunch of opportunities. And I even had myself, I had the opportunity to go to the Hub Camp in September last year, which is a camp that's held by Tom Brady's agent. Um, and it was out in California. I performed out there. I was performing against some of the top, you know, free agents and even some NFL vets that have been in the league, in and out of the league, trying to get back in. Um, and I performed, and I was able to get a couple of contacts and stuff like that. Um, so just knowing that, you know, the opportunity is starting to open itself up now that I'm going to be transitioning into that next phase of my life, I think that I'll be able to have a better shot. And, you know, an inspiring story that I always, you know, keep in mind is just the Alejandro Villanueva story, how he did his time and he became a Pro Bowl NFL player. So it may not happen immediately. You know, I have a lot of my teammates who are in the league and they're doing very great. And I'm so proud of them. And um, they're inspiring as well. But I only talk to them and I talk to them and just ask them, you know, how's it feel? How do you guys feel? You know, just let them know how proud I am of them and, you know, that they're inspiring me to keep going because I want to be able to, you know, add my name to the list of Army football players who have made it to the NFL um, and even just pro sports in, in general. So um, I'm still pursuing. I, I still feel great. I'm testing really well, lifting good. So, you know, when the opportunity presents itself, I'm going to definitely seize that moment and, and take my opportunity to play. And then once that time comes to an end, we're going to see what happens next and worry about that next phase of my life. But um, with the last year, I definitely want to um, – prepare my body for that journey, as well as um, just finish out my Army career the right way. Um, mentoring cadets is something that I really take pride in, especially at a HBCU. Um, you know, there's not a lot of minority officers in the, in, the, in the fold. So just being able to groom minority officers and, you know, give them the tools that they need to be successful is something that I really take pride in. It's really why I took the job, because I know how important that is to me, to the force, and just to, you know, the African-American community as a whole, being able to groom officers in a, in a way that, you know, will help them succeed and help them get out of some of the situations that they may be in, that they need the military uh, to help them get out of those situations. So I take a lot of pride in the, in the job that I have now because I know how important it is to not only those cadets, but, you know, to their families as well. So It's got to be a pretty great feeling where you, you – you're giving back, but yeah, you're also providing mentorship and it's probably 
you know, you're taking some of the things you probably learned at West Point and maybe oh, yeah. as a part of the football team in the brotherhood, and you're probably using those experiences to try to help better other people, other uh, people's lives. Right. 100%. I don't think it really gets better than that at times. Right. Jeff, when you can do that. So, yeah, I think, I think mentorship is one of the greatest things that you can have um, in this world. Like I, some of my mentors, I wouldn't be where I am today without the aid and the tutelage and the guidance from some of my mentors that I've had, um, whether it be West Point, outside of West Point, um, and even the experiences that I had in my West Point journey, journey in my Army career, um, I wouldn't have been able to have the knowledge to pass on if I didn't go through these things. And I lean on a lot of the stuff that I give to my cadets, and even when I was on the line, uh, my, my soldiers, um, I tell them a lot, and, and it always kind of reverts back to my playing days because that's the that's where I learned. I feel like that's where I learned the most about not only myself, but just what it really means to be a leader. Because you know, I've always felt like I've been a leader. You know, I was a captain of my high school football team, all sorts of stuff like that. But like, what it truly means to be a leader, especially when you're going through something as tough as West Point, the process of that, like what like what it really takes to be a true leader, what type of leader do you want to be? I think I learned all of that playing football um, and just having the people around me during my time playing. That's what really developed my leadership uh, skills and really told me what type of leader that I wanted to be. And I've carried that forward and I've been very successful with, you know, being able to mentor a lot of people and kind of pulling people under my wing and, and having people gravitate towards me uh, for knowledge, wisdom and expertise in whatever subject matter it may be. Um, and I really take pride in doing that because I feel like, you know, my God-given purpose is to help others as much as I can. And whatever possible way I can help them, I'm going to do it. And I'm not going to hesitate to do it because, you know, I'm, I, I genuinely get a good feeling helping others. And um, no better way to do it in, in the service, you know what I mean? So it was able, like, like you said, being able to take the experiences that I had playing football and implementing them in my army career actually helped me a lot too. It made things a lot easier, you know, because of that team camaraderie, being able to, you know, take people from all sorts of different places. Like you got people from California, Hawaii, uh, New York, Texas, all playing on one team. And then you go into the army and it's exactly the same exact thing. So you take these different personalities, different cultures, and now as a platoon leader, you have to make a mesh no matter what. Like this, this has to operate or else you're going to, end up putting yourself in a bad position. So taking that same thing that I learned at my Army football playing days and implementing it into my platoon leader time and just my officership, it definitely helped a lot. So I definitely give credit to, you know, my experience at playing Army uh, football for a lot of my leadership skills. Yeah, it seems like no matter what the future holds for you, you're always going to be a guy that's going to give back. And, um, you know, right now, I mean, certainly you're going to have your options, right? And who knows? I think, Jeff, maybe even down the road, we'll see you back at West Point. You won't be an honorary captain or anything, but you, I, I can see you maybe down the road being a guy who wants to be involved in the football team, too, in some way, shape, or form, too. So, Oh, yeah, that's that's something that's crossed my mind a lot. You know, like I said, I, that, the program has done so much for me in my life, um, and just the, the things that I've learned from playing in that program and being a part of that program and even going back. You know, I've had people ask me that same question. Um, it's definitely not something that's off my board. I would, it, it's something that would warm my heart, you know, but I'm all, I'm always going to make sure that I'm, you know, making the best decision for me 
my family and stuff like that. So if that ever comes down to it and that opportunity presents itself and it's the right fit for me, I definitely wouldn't hesitate to jump on that because there's no there's no better feeling than being able to come back to your alma mater and, you know, continue to groom and mentor and build that program and that legacy that you are, you know, that you're a part of. So absolutely there there obviously there's a reason why coach Munkin asked you back this weekend right to be to be a part of the black black and gold game and uh talk talk to the current army black knights about your experiences and stuff man that uh, i really appreciate you hopping on uh tonight and uh talking to us a little bit about that and also what you got going on and man there's just we, we could probably talk for just hours about what your experiences as a football player right and then there's so much else you got going on too so uh really appreciate uh second time jeff ejecum back on the black knight nation podcast jeff thanks so much for uh hanging out with us tonight absolutely so i appreciate it thank you